0: hello everybody how's it going oh uh, oh uh, i'm going go-kart racing again this weekend
1: <laughs> <How was that?
2: laughs> i'm just laughing that like when we start like all the things we talk about right up until we start and then it's just like okay this is the real world do.
1: yeah yeah the real yeah. world the curtain's, yeah. Up.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> curtains up curtains up curtains up yeah so I went go-kart racing again this weekend and this I I, I raced my first race in the league that I've been wanting to race in I've raced twice this year but there were races that were completely unrelated to this league and um there was like 36 karts showed up and uh, they do a, a thing this year this is new to the league where they after qualifying they split it into two fields and so um basically two different races so everybody can has there's more potential of everybody making the feature through your heats and in my particular feature i finished fifth and out of there was 15 in my feature and it was just, it was a blast it was the most fun i've had yet sweet yeah. the great thing about this particular league that i race in is there's just one class that's just that's divided into two fields the other two races that i raced earlier this year there were 8 different classes and it's an all day thing so you spend most of your time just hanging out playing with your thumbs so. I was going to ask what the differences were between the leagues is there
1: anything else but like that's that's different the rules or anything
0: uh no so uh, if you're in the go-karting world we would be considered a stock appearing class an all adult so that means like you can take a your engine And from the outside, it looks like it came out of the box, but you can do whatever to the inside. For the most part, you can do whatever to the inside. So uh, everybody's using the Harbor Freight Predator 212 engine, which is like a six and a half horsepower engine. And that costs like 120 bucks. But then there's like $800 of upgrades you can do to it. And there's a handful of different motor builders. You can learn to do it yourself. I'm going to try to learn to do it this winter. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there's like crazy upgrades that you can, you can do to it. And then at the other races at the, we'll call them the more professional, bigger tracks. Um, there's different classes where they have box stock. So you can't take, uh, you can't do anything to the motor except maybe put a, on a different air filter. Then they have different classes, uh, different ages and, um, different motor types. And so. Yeah, there's it's it's all over the place. So I like running in the league that we're in because everybody's just running the same thing or the same class, and it's, it's super fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Is there like um,
1: I don't, I don't want this. I don't mean this in a bad way. Is there danger? Like, is there? Do people get hurt in in the types of races that you're running? Is it's, is it that aggressive or is it?
0: What's
2: well, top speed?
0: It, um. Well. It really depends on how big the track is. So, the league that I'm running in, it's it's smaller tracks. So, the top speed is like some, depending on the track, maybe between 30 and 40 miles an hour. And these are, yeah, I mean, you're an inch off the ground. They're. They're called flat carts, so there's no roll cage, and you are not belted into the seat. So I guess the danger is there's a potential of the cart rolling over, but it's very, very, very low. It has happened. I've not seen it happen, but your center of gravity is so low that it typically doesn't flip over. And, um, you know, the scorekeepers and flagmen, they're making sure people are not being aggressive. And so, and you're wearing safety gear. You have a helmet. You have a neck brace on. Um, your entire body is is covered. So, I hurt myself more just assembling and disassembling the cart, like <laughs> pinching my fingers and and stuff. Yeah. So, gotcha. um, I've, well, that's good. One day I want to go into a higher class and where they do have the roll cages and you're buckled into the seat because it just appears more safe because you're just surrounded hmm. by by metal but we'll see we'll we'll see it's a, this this class is already expensive enough <laughs> i've already spent so much money on this yeah like well if to move up to another class like that what is that is that just modifying the cart is yeah. that it's usually a whole different what? chassis different yeah oh uh, okay. a lot of times it's a it's a different type of motor because it's it's bigger so yeah it would be basically starting over see. and faster oh wow yeah so, it, theoretically, you could build a separate garage to just hold your different parts of your different classes. <laughs> yes. We're, we're very that's fortu- the plan, I assume. Yeah, right? yeah that's, that's the plan. We're very fortunate where we already have two garages on this property. Um, I I don't think we can do a third. Ah, sure you can. We can make it work. Yeah. <laughs> I took my camera. That's cool. And I didn't take any photos or video. Because when I got there, I, I didn't feel like it. I just wanted to... It was, again, this this particular day was was just for me and I didn't want the pressure. I am going to do a little vlog or record in the future, but right now I just want to completely enjoy the moment and have it to myself. Yeah.
1: And right now it's still probably kind of new for you and you're yeah. probably soaking in a lot of the details where it is. It is eventually it'll be like, oh, it's another race this weekend, which will still be fun, but it won't yeah. be as new. So. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah and I'm enjoying I think um like a lot of my hobbies, I enjoy the getting ready the organization and the making maybe more than the actual event itself like i'm surrounded by music gear i think i enjoy getting everything set up in a very uh, way that's suited for me and that i can easily access something so once i'm all set up then i'm like no there's no reason for you to make music because i just spent the last Mm. four days like setting up this environment and then the go-kart is kind of the same thing i love like I've been 3D printing like little tool organizers for the drawers. I've been making my own parts and drilling the safety holes and, and the bolts and everything, and enjoying the the science of it. So the all the most of the drivers will have a tack meter, and that'll. When you come in from either your race or your practice laps, you can see what RPMs you hit. And if you didn't hit the RPMs that you want, then your gearing's wrong. So then you go and you, you change the gearing. And I love learning all of that, maybe more than the actual racing itself. I just love just taking in all mm. the knowledge. And there's all kinds of crazy setups you can do with the front spindles and tire pressure and tire sizes and, and tire offset. It's 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 been super fun. And I, have, I still have a ton to learn. Yeah. Well, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. Well, it's good that it's not like something, well, you know, you learned it all on a weekend and you're like, well, now I know how to do this.
0: Yeah. It's (laughs) done. I I got a couple books over the winter and I read through them and there's lots of information online and I was reading through all that. And it got, I think it really got to a point where like I'm I'm taking in too much information and not getting enough actual seat time, you know, because the experience is far greater than than any kind of book knowledge so there there's but you need both so there's there's definitely a balance it's interesting you say
1: that uh, this morning I was doing my Italian practice that I try to do every day and the past month or so has been incredibly frustrating because I'm at a point where I'm learning just new verbs and it's just it's just here's another verb here's another verb and I and I have no I have no way to attach the the Italian word to an English word in my head that I, c- I can't keep up with them. There's too many of them, and I don't have a practice. I don't have like a what you're talking about, like the actual thing to do. I don't have the conversations to have to reinforce those things mm-hmm. and to find a place in my brain to c- make those connections. So it's been really frustrating to learn new stuff and just not be able to retain it. So the time that I'm spending... That's kind of like book time, you yeah, know, like you're yep. what you're talking about. It's kind of the book time doesn't seem that productive because it, it's not reinforced with action. And so I've been in that, that kind of weird spot that you're talking about where I, I think I need to go race Italian and, you know, <laughs> that with a person, you know, to and, and even that's hard to do because, you know, I've got a couple of people, Jocko and a couple other people who have tried to text me in uh, Italian and I yeah. try to respond, which is great. But it's not the same as being able to hear a language that you don't hear spoken very often and break down what individual words you're hearing in a sentence. You know, it's like a whole thing that you need to actually hear it and be able to be forced to speak back to them.
0: So I think that's a. I mean, that applies to any hobby. I mean, we, and it's it's hard to get across that in the actual videos because you will make a video on something. And then we all get all kinds of questions like, well, what are, what about this? What about this? What about this? Or should I do this? I don't know which. Like, just go try it. Once you, you have to actually stop watching YouTube and you actually have to go do the thing. And once you do the thing, you'll get a better understanding of, of what's going on. Mm-hmm. You got to throw yourself yep. in there and just do it. We always talk about when people ask
1: us about, you know, making YouTube videos and stuff about how they what camera they should have and all those type of things. Somebody recently was asking me over Instagram, um, you know, they, they want to get started making video and same thing that we've said a million times. I said to him is that you have to make one so that you know what you don't know so that you can make one. And so like, just, I was recommending to them just jump in, make a video without the intention of it ever going anywhere without it ever being released. Just so you see the list of things that you have to figure out things that you have to learn. And, yeah. So Anyway, well, that's cool. I'm glad the racing is moving along. Super fun. It's cool. cool. Jimmy, what, what are you been up to?
2: Oh, man, I had a busy week. I'm working on... Uh, if you see my Instagram stories, I'm working on these Bullet Bourbon trailers. Bullet Bourbon started this campaign seven or eight years ago where they go around to events with a, a trailer. They call it the Woody. It's basically a wood... My dogs are going crazy because we have a roofer here and we have a fence guy here. And they're just like... What's going on in the backyard? So I apologize. I'm trying to mute the mic when I can. Yeah. And Taylor's down there with him, so she can't tell them to shut up. I can in between muting. I'll try and do that. But um <laughs> Oh, so uh, I'm working on these. Would be
1: like, hey man, I'm putting a roof on. Stop telling me to shut up. Sure that you talk <laughs> to the dogs. Uh,
2: anyway. What was I going to say? Oh, so I'm working on these Woody trailers, and it's really it's interesting uh, exercise in design and, and fabrication, and knowing I have to make ten of them, and they're huge. They're like not so much smaller than the real Woody, but they're half of the Woody. It's a it's a teardrop trailer that the whole back will be opened, and there'll be liquor display, and it's going to be in giant uh a lot of people are watching my instagram story going that's going to be pulled behind a car it's only half of one it's literally cut in half it looks like it's going to be coming out of a wall it'll be in and around certain parts of the united states where they have these big liquor like superstores so they'll be fitted inside of these big liquor superstores so i have to make i know i have to make five they might pull the trigger on another five so um, designing, developing the process. And once they pull the trigger, this is the prototype and it has to get shipped out soon. And once we pull the trigger, I'm gonna be like up to my ears in woody trailers making these things. I'm literally gonna become like a a fake trailer maker. I'm gonna have to make <laughs> a bunch of them. So we, we bought about four thousand dollars worth of plywood in various thicknesses and we're all loaded up, ready to go. So it's uh it's it's a great exercise and uh you know lately i've talked about this last episode i'm really thinking about factory minded like here production making several uh, several iterations of all different stuff so this is definitely a great exercise in that i didn't have a video this week i did a live stream yesterday and i went through my notebook which was fun check that out if you get a minute and uh my buddy patrick who is the drummer in the scissor sisters popped in for a minute he just walked into the shop he's he's thinking about moving out of the city so I'm like the only guy he knows in the country. So he's like, hey, let me come. He spent the weekend at the house and he just wandered around and him and his girlfriend might buy a house up here. So I'm getting more and more of the New York hipsters moving into this area, which is fun. (laughs) I have like a little coalition of New York hipsters. And uh, so that's Patrick from The Scissors Sisters. He makes a little cameo in that. And then so... The funny thing I wanted to say was last night, the roofers were scheduled to come today. They're putting the roof on the the machine shop that's also the blacksmith shop. And it's been half done for years. And they're finally doing it. And to save money, I said, I'll rip off the roof. I'll rip off the old roof, thinking I would have three of my friends. We'd do it in like an hour. We'd do it, pick up all the debris and we'd be done in an hour. I never said anything to anybody. The roofers are like, we'll be there Monday morning at 9 a.m. I said, okay, cool. And then yesterday, it's like 5 o'clock, and I look out at the barn, and I'm like, oh, the roof is still on there. I guess I told him <laughs> I was going to take the roof off, so I guess I'll try and rip the roof off the barn. And it's a 25-foot a by 12-foot roof. I'm doing, we we're only going to do one half at a time because of his schedule. So he's like, we'll do this one half, and then in a week we'll do the other half. So I went up there last night with a, with a shovel that's designed to pry roofs off. That the, I had the roof done on the whole house. Fifteen years ago, and the guy left some tools here, and the tools have been sitting around. So I went up on the roof for the very first time in <laughs> my life, and it was like, all right. The whole focus here is to not slide off the roof. That's my whole focus: don't slide off the roof. <laughs> and so I'm on the roof with this shovel, with got like a bunch of like nail picker uppers at the very tip of the shovel, and I pried the roof off. And I got to a point where <clears throat> I felt, I felt like, and I feel right now. So I pried the whole roof off. Took like three hours and then i spent another three hours picking up the debris that was outside the shop you know because it slid off the roof onto the ground and i put it into my I have a like kind of a utility pickup truck so i threw it into the bed of this big old utility pickup truck so at the end of the day i felt like i rolled down a black diamond mountain with no snow on it I, <laughs> every part of my body hurts like I put my hand down on the counter this morning, like and I feel like I have like a marshmallow in the palm of my hand, and that's from uh, me like holding yeah. the end of the pry thing and it just poking into my palm for an hour and a half. so like when I put my hand down on the table, I feel like I'm putting it down on a pile of change. when I look at my hand there's no change it's just the middle of my palm is swollen up, and my back hurts, my elbows hurt, my fingers hurt, my pinky hurts, I have blisters on all my toes, I have blisters in the palms of all my hands. <laughs> and uh but i'm feeling good all of them (laughs) (laughs) all of my fingers (laughs) on all of my hands no it was just so i you know shout out to the guys that do roofing full-time because you must be Mm. built like an iron robot it's just it's crazy (laughs) but you know like like taylor said maybe maybe because i'm just like groaning about how much pain i'm in and she's like maybe you need to take a break i'm like well, I'm never doing that again. I was like, I just did it once. I said the break started the minute I stopped. I said, I'm not Maybe maybe you need to like lay down. I'm like, no. I said I slept last night, I'm fine. But yeah, I don't recommend I mean if you really want to feel what it's like to be a real working man, I mean I recommend ripping a small roof off of a little tiny cottage and then sitting back and looking at your accomplishments. So. <laughs> But that I have sounds
1: a, like a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, I know. but I have a busy week. You know those stools that I made a few months ago. I'm making. A, I'm going to make two more, and uh, so I set up this week to make them. They'll be just more Instagram stories, not not really videos. And um, yeah, that's it. Just more more maintenance on the racetrack, getting ready. The funny thing is, is um, this will lead into what we're going to talk about. But all day long, I'm across the street at my shop where I rent. And directly across the street is the racetrack, which I haven't really done anything there yet. I'm not there physically full-time. So I get to watch 10 times a day where people park their car. They used to park in the parking lot. Now I have it chained off so they can't drive in. They park their car at the edge of my big lot where I rent because it's a giant parking lot. And they walk across the street and just like disappear into my property to go to the back of the property where there's a huge river. So 10 times a day I'm watching people walk in and just disappear into my property to cut through to go to the river and it's obviously been a tradition around here for a hundred years that people can just go oh let's just cut to the river through the racetrack and it's driving me crazy because you know mm-hmm. people like pick and they think the place is abandoned and so they like you know pick on the trim of the buildings and they're like looking and they see the cadillac and uh so i was thinking about doing some signage this week you know no trespassing mm-hmm. signage and uh, We'll see, and then the, the back when you go to the river it's there's not a set of stairs there's like a steep cliff, so you gotta go to the steep cliff and then scale down the steep cliff, which is like twelve feet. There's a couple of spots that are less treacherous than others, but if you don't know to walk there, you just like literally like you know turn around face the cliff side, and try and climb down without falling down it's 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 mm-hmm. a very steep incline, and then you get to a landing and then the landing then leads to the water so
1: is that a weird liability for you? I that's mean, I if concerned trespassing, about. I guess that's not...
2: Yeah. Well, th- huh. there's no signs up. So right now, you know, if I did have a problem, people would say, well, you didn't put signs up. Well, you know, you, you would assume <laughs> that people wouldn't just walk on anybody else's property without, especially if it's a treacherous thing. So I'm going to put signs up just to cover my liability in case there is a problem. But Like I said, huh. I... I mean,
0: I, you, I, you know, don't have to use it, but I'm... Just saying, a booby trap would make a great video.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, no, no. I was gonna make a, a bamboo bungee stick, so when they step on it, it swings up and hits them in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I want to hear a funny story. This is a quick funny story. So yes, one day uh, Taylor was having a bachelorette party here, and I was I was here, but like I was in the machine shop the entire time. So her and her four or five girlfriends were in the house the entire time, and so it was like. Cash weekend for her. She's walking around with a wine glass the whole time. So she walks over to me in the machine shop to talk to me. You say something. cash? Yeah, cash. She's doing a whole cash weekend with her. her like, there was like it was like actually like fifteen girls here, and she walks over to me to talk to me in the machine shop. and as she gets close to me, she steps on the ends of a rake, and the rake swings up at her like a hundred miles an hour and smashes the wine glass in her hand. Ooh. Oh, wow. and wine was like completely on the entire facade of her body, and she picked up the rake and angrily threw it. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, this fricking fracking rake, and she threw it into the weeds. <laughs> I'm like, the rake didn't do anything wrong. So it's
1: waiting in the weeds for somebody else to walk across it and get smacked in the I face. said,
2: I go, great. Now you gotta go get it so Mr. McNiven doesn't hit it with the lawnmower. She's like, fricking fracking fricking. She like, stormed out into the weeds and got it. <laughs> but that was perfectly well-placed rake swing. You know, you only see that in the cartoons. <laughs> But she, like, it just swung up at her, like, probably, like, 800 miles an hour and just, like, destroyed the wine glass. It just exploded. (laughs) There wasn't even anything left of the wine glass. It, like, eviscerated into, like, tiny pieces. (laughs) Anyway, that's a little funny story about getting hit with a rake. (laughs) Bob,
1: what are you up to this week? (laughs) Well, um, man, I don't even know what I'm up to this weekend. All this stuff that I've been working on. We're, like, several weeks out, so let me look back at our schedule. This week is a... The video coming out is a uh, coffee tamper that I made. So you guys have seen Michael Alm's patterned plywood stuff he's been yeah, doing. Yeah, he's been really doing it. Beautiful, Beautiful stuff. Right? Yeah, it's awesome. So between... Uh, this was a few weeks ago. So when he started doing that, or when I started seeing it, I don't know when he started doing it. When I started seeing that... Um, I also was watching uh, Andrew – Andrew, I don't know how to say your name. I'm sorry. Zeto, Zetto? The guy that did the A-frame that I talked about a long time ago? Mm-hmm. Remember that guy? Anyway, he's awesome. Yep. And he's been turning um, some really cool uh, like coffee tampers and some diff pens and things like that out of recycled sky- skateboards. And I don't have access to the skateboards, but I really liked the layered – you know, color and stuff that he had in that. And so I was thinking between those two things, I should make a coffee tamper for our espresso machine that I got during quarantine but make it out of plywood and try to do some of the patterning that Michael's been doing on the plywood. So I ended up making a really simple uh, turned coffee tamper and it's not as complex patterning as Michael's doing. He's He's going a lot further with it. I just kind of wanted to see what it would take to Glue up a block of plywood and then cut it down into a pattern. And so I glued up these pieces, <clears throat> excuse me, of plywood at an angle. So I, I glued them up in a stack and then like shifted both sides, you know, to make them at an angle, and then let it dry like that. And then turn that or cut that down to a block. And then cut it in half and cut that in half again and flip the pieces around. So when you looked at it from the outside, it kind of has like a chevron look to it where the angles of the plywoods are alternating and I was visualizing it as a block thinking you're gonna have this straight chevron cut and my brain just didn't let me get to the fact that this was going to be turned on the lathe and that's going to change the way that the lines look and so when I put it on the lathe and then spun it all those straight lines going from the chevron became curves because they're wrapping around the curve And it looks so cool. I don't know if it really (laughs) translates to the video as much as, like, it really blew me away when I got down to it. I'm like, oh, there's, like, curved Vs that are alternating, like, they're opposite between the two sides of the thing. Nice. Anyway, it just turned out to be an interesting visual that I wasn't expecting. And I think that was the the coolest thing to me is I thought it was going to look one way and it looks very different but also cool. Um, So that's kind of what I did. And it's not a complicated project at all. It's just a little aluminum puck on the bottom of this uh, turned piece of plywood, really. But it, I think the thing that was really cool is just because I didn't... I expected it to look one way and it looks different. And that was a nice thing. Because, you know, usually we go into stuff kind of knowing how things are going to turn out or at least have an idea. And we get to... We try to force ourselves to get to that idea. Mm-hmm. To get to the output that we originally think. And there was no way for me to actually get this to look like I thought it was going to look, but that's okay. Cause it looks cooler than I expected. So that was a neat thing. Um, and then I've been working on R2D2 on and off still. Um, we have the next video and that coming out in a couple weeks, but then I'm already working on stuff for the following video. And that's, it's nice to have some momentum on that. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's what I've been up to. The guys are coming back into the office this week. Oh, Uh, for the first time. So that'll be interesting, kind of weird, you know, just having been here by myself for a couple of months now or whatever, it'll be kind of weird to reconvene and I'll be in the same space again, but we're excited about getting back to work. Do you think anything uh, will change with the workflow? Maybe a little bit. We've talked about, we had an interesting conversation. I don't remember if I talked about this last week or not, but it... We had an interesting conversation about how we upset the, – the quarantine stuff upset our flow, our normal work hours and things, and we were trying to decide – or I had the realization that we have the freedom to make it look however we want as far as our work, our schedule, and our productivity, and the, the jobs that everybody does. Like We can change those things, and we don't have to go back to the way it was. And so it'll be interesting to see if uh, we end up taking – like everybody works from home on Wednesdays or everybody, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the thing will be. Um, but I do think part of it is um, it's weird cause I've had this conversation and I don't know if it, if it was here or not. So I apologize if I've already said this, but um, I have this thing about leadership where, you know, like if you're, if you are a business owner or you are a manager or something like that, then part of your leadership for other people is to be an example, to do the thing that you want them to do so that it's not, you know, like I've never wanted to be the the business owner that was like, well, you know what, I'm going to go just do this fun thing while you stay here and work. Like if, if I expect them to work, I should be working too. And I realize that that's not necessarily like a one-to-one. That's not always the case. It doesn't always make sense. But there's part of me that's that just has that feeling. Like, I need to be productive uh, so that they uh, have the example. And, you know, like, we're working alongside each other. And they're not just doing work while I'm goofing off. And so it's kind of weird trying to figure out how to go back into a, a rebuilding of our workflow but me realizing that having some of that time that I'm not working has been really good for me mentally, and and really good yeah. for me uh, from a productivity standpoint. Like I'm getting more done when I get less done, which <laughs> it's, it's really Weird. strange. Yeah, uh, when I have these times where I just don't do anything and I don't feel the pressure to do anything, that lets the times that I do focus on a project become more productive and faster and more focused. I think the focus is the big thing that I've figured out, so going back into working in an office with people, I'm trying to figure out how do I keep that little part of of my time that and and this is all this is all me putting this on myself. How do I put that take part of my time and like let myself go and let myself enjoy it and let myself not feel the pressure to be so productive and be so you know moving forward all the time so that when I am moving forward with the team when we are doing things they're better they're more productive and that's just like a me trying to get my mind to ease up here so that I can be better here you know that that type of thing um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes and I don't know it'll be probably something that continues to evolve but I, it was really cool to find out that uh, you know I need I'm better when I take breaks when mm-hmm. I when I have time that just doesn't doesn't do anything. It doesn't produce anything. And that seems really obvious when I say it out loud. Everybody should know that. And I would probably tell somebody that if they ask me. But to see it in myself, to see like I actually do better when I take a break and play Minecraft for 30 minutes. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> like it's <laughs> I'm too old for that. But it but the truth is like it having a distraction, having a thing that is purely for relaxation and and a break makes the other work time better
0: so i think a lot of times a disruption to your flow at the time seems like this is terrible this is going this is the end of the world but the creativity or the outcome of that can positively affect you going down the road so those disruptions can be very helpful I think so, yeah.
1: Um, I think the this whole quarantine thing has been really good for me that in that way, as one big interruption, because you could look at the whole separation from people as one big interruption, but it's also created a bunch of small ones where the, the proximity to my family... I mean, obviously, I've worked from home, but my kids are home a lot more than they have been, right, with school and stuff. And that's caused a bunch of little interruptions, which are frustrating in the moment. Like you're saying, it's like, well, I'm, I'm working, you know, this is the time that I typically work and I can't stop to do the thing with the kid. But when I am interrupted and I have those moments where I can get out of my own head and be like, yes, I should go do something with the kid. Cause there's no reason I shouldn't, I can't, you know, it's, there's no reason for that. And it turns out those things have been really good, just like you're saying. But in the moment, it's like, no, I'm working. No, I need to do this. No, we're behind. No, I'm, you know, I come up with those little excuses about productivity, and it turns out that all those things are good. So, yeah, I don't have anywhere to go with that, except that that's been a learning, one of the many learning experiences for me over this past couple of months. And it'll be interesting to see how those things continue to stay around as we get back together and get back to work. Well, I was just going to say I'm looking forward to getting back to some of the bigger projects. The stuff I've been doing on my own, they've been a lot smaller more manageable to shoot and to build on my own in a short amount of time. And so we've got some furniture and some outdoor stuff that I'm looking forward to getting back to, which would be a lot easier to pull off with help. So,
2: I was guy? just going to say, uh, similar to what you were talking about, where you kind of get burned out and you're know you you're working too hard and you, you put pressure on yourself. And you could even see it in my Instagram stories. I tend to jump around a lot. Like I take something to a point and then I give myself the satisfaction to say, okay, I've taken that as far as I can right now let me go work on something else and sometimes it's real work like you know production for the website and i keep it interesting for myself by trying to keep reinventing ways of making stuff or ways of printing it or ways of folding it or ways of you know that's that for me that's the exciting kind of hobbyist fun part of it uh it's a way of taking you know work that would otherwise seem like oh he's got real work to do but keeping it fun and fresh and you know experimenting with the Tormach like I've been doing and, and then going from there and then jumping on to say for instance like the hot tub trying to fix the hot tub to whether to decide to throw it away or fix it or you know going to the Cadillac or mowing the lawn so it's all work but it's you know it's each one is a break from the other one and it's all enjoyable mm-hmm. because to me it's like it's all puzzles just i'm solving you know solving and figuring out and and figuring out puzzles and so it's it's that's what works for me just as a suggestion where you give yourself three projects and you jump back and forth from each one of them and each one of them is a whole completely different set of disciplines like one mm-hmm. minute of them on the cnc machine the next minute i'm on like a LA, lathe, the next minute i'm running a printing press the next minute i'm doing book binding and each one of those little things gets moved along a little bit every couple days
0: that doesn't work for me i get too Hmm. anxious there's too much anxiety because i don't have this one finished it's really hard for me to move on to the next thing or put one thing aside unless i hit a brick wall
2: well i was going to say i i personally really i i've developed the confidence in experience over experience of knowing I could literally just start something, and that will eventually get done. So I know that if Mm. I start it, if I have a deadline, of course, then I focus on the deadline, but I know I could start a project and be like, okay, I'm comfortable leaving the hot tub completely dismantled with the lid off and everything, because I know I'm going to get back to it. If it gets, if it's the end of the summer and the thing's still sitting there, I'll just have it hauled away, because then it just doesn't work. But as an example, but I have the confidence and experience knowing that everything I start, I pretty much mostly finish everything I start. So it's just like chipping away and chipping away. And then again, just trying to find the therapy in doing each individual thing and taking it to a point where like, okay, setting a goal today, I'm going to get it to this point. And then that would be a good stopping point. You know, like when I do the, when I do the ice picks, I always grab like a pinch, a handful it's about 20, 25, and I put it on the lathe. I'm like, okay, that that is my handful. Let me do that handful, and then I'll go on to something else, and then I walk away. And you know, they're not orders; they always sell. So it's you know, there isn't the pressure of like fulfilling like a pre-sale. I don't do pre-sales anymore. Mm-hmm. I just make them and sell them, and uh, so there isn't that type of pressure.
1: So, so okay, I, this is not what we were going to talk about today, yeah. but this has gotten me thinking and stuff question for you guys Uh, you both have people that work with you uh, in some capacity and you have over the time and everything do you have a pressure that you put on yourself there's no right or wrong answer here I'm just curious about the differences between us is there a pressure that you put on yourself about being productive for the sake of having something for those guys to do or for like what they expect to be able to make money wise and things
2: (laughs) Uh, I can answer that. Uh, I was going to say, uh, I give Aaron, basically my shop I share with Aaron. Of course, I pay him to do stuff for me. But Aaron is a self-starter. And he will absolutely, like if there's a lull and I haven't communicated with him in a couple of hours, he just looks around and goes, you know what? He has full license to improve everything. So he'll be like, you know what? I just didn't like the way this looked. And I've completely emotionally let go of like people touching my stuff because I realize it's hold- it holds me back. And so Aaron has mm. full reign to just like rearrange a part of the shop if he wants, or he's got a credit card. He's got full reign to, you know what we needed? Uh, we needed these five supplies from Uline, so I decided to buy them. Totally cool, and it it is alleviated so much more of my. It, it's gotten actually that pressure you're talking about off my plate because Aaron, being a self starter, being a, a you know ex military, the discipline that comes along with being in the Marine Corps for ten years, and he's 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 great so Aaron I want to thank you I know he listens but for me the pressure is off like if he doesn't see me for five hours I'll come in and I'll know he will have researched these ten things this one he has a list of like the things I casually mention and he's like hey remember last week you said something about casting I found these five companies that sell that material so for me he's been great and I don't have to worry too much about not being present when the when the heat is on when it's like hey all hands on deck for these bullet bourbon things everybody's there i have mike as a guy who works for me part-time i'll call up mike and say mike i need you to help me do these five things he's like no problem and i usually leave it open-ended where it's like by the end of next week these have to be done or by the end of tomorrow these things have to be done so everybody kind of makes their own schedule and uh, i personally like it casual like that because then i get too wrapped up in what you're worried about you know what you're about to talk about it's like oh you know it's five o'clock and he still hasn't done anything super important yet you know I look at it, I look at it not day to day, not minute by minute, but, you know, month at a time. In this month, we were able to get these five really amazing things accomplished. And that's fantastic. You know, the in-between stuff is, uh, you know, it'll drive you crazy if you start counting
0: minutes. For me, Dan is over here once a week. And that day before he is here, I'm usually pretty busy because i want to make sure everything is perfect the shop is clean i have all the materials i have the project all planned out so when he gets here that next day there's the illusion of i know what i'm doing (laughs) and i'm prepared nice (laughs) um and i it's i do put a lot of pressure on myself to get ready for that and in reality and i'm now just thinking about this as we're talking he is also a woodworker. He can also design projects. He can also do all these things that I can do. I would probably be just fine if I wasn't completely prepared and he could come in and say, well, we could, we could do it this way or you don't have all the materials. Let's make that part of the video and go shopping and do all that. So, uh, it's, it's, it's a self-imposed pressure that I put on myself, and I'm okay with that. I need pressure, so I am productive. Hmm.
1: It, it's, that's been an interesting thing for me, um, and I don't, I don't know how to say it exactly. I haven't really thought through this. It's just off the top of my head. But um, there's an interesting pressure, like I talked about before, that I put on myself about having something for the guys that I work with to do. And it's not it's not about them being occupied. It's that I don't want to waste their time. You know what I mean? Like if, if they've committed mm-hmm. to like, yeah, I want to work here and I want to do the thing that we've decided as a group that we're going to do and we have a goal and we're going to do it in this these ways and we're going to produce these things. I don't want them sitting here with nothing to do because I wasn't prepared enough to like have things there. And I also want to make sure that they're, getting, always getting paid (laughs) for the work that they do. So the, just the, the far off worry, which is, it's a far off worry of like us ever not having money to pay paychecks. You know, this is not a concern, but it's just one of those things as a business owner that's in the back of your head. You always want to make sure that you are well prepared for lulls in business so that your employees don't take the hit for that. And so part of of making sure that that preparedness is there is always be working on something. Always be producing something to keep that worry as far away in the future as possible. You know what I mean? So you're always have income in that that just pushes that worry down the road. I'm not gonna say it's a reality because it's a worry, not a reality. But and, and I think that the pressure of always be Always producing a new thing or always being productive toward producing a new thing can really stifle uh, good work by becoming busy work and it be- by becoming we just have to do something to always be preparing for this mm. thing. And that's one of the things that's come up in my mind a lot is that you know, there's this weird balance between making sure that everybody's taken care of, making sure that everyone has what they need and will have what they need going forward financially. But at the same time, like to do good work, to do creative, interesting things, you have to stop sometimes. You have to slow down. You have to take some, get some perspective and think and spend time creating in your mind before you can create. And those two things can really be an opposition, at least for me, where the productivity can just become like a pattern and can become a, uh, a pursuit in and of itself rather than the thing that you're actually creating with that productivity. And, and that's just something else that I've kind of been confronted with recently. Um, and when you look at, like you were talking about looking at a month at a time, when you look at your output or your what you create as any kind of a creator, I think musicians would feel this a lot too. When you look at that over the next year, Like, you can do a lot of music in a year, but if it's not good music, it doesn't matter because nobody wants to listen to it. So just because you are prolific doesn't mean you are productive, and just because you are prolific doesn't mean you're creative. But one creative piece of music can have a much bigger impact on people and on your career than a hundred pieces of mediocre music. You know what I mean? So. Mm that's one of the things that I'm trying to like wrestle with that there's some weird shifting balance there of really good versus a lot or yeah
0: some mixture of those things which guy David? I get two two things there's there's definitely an argument in what you said there because um, for fulfillment you want to be creating for yourself so maybe just creating all the time is that thing that fulfills you and and gives you gives you purpose so Mm. just you know even even if it's not the greatest thing maybe your goal is just to just that is partially me so there's a there's a i'll (laughs) admit that (laughs) there's there's a good argument there one of the things that i worry about most with dan coming over once a week is making sure his job is fun and maybe i worry about that too much because when he comes over and we're doing like a, a shop piece of shop furniture or something that's really boring i apologize i'm like ah, dan i'm sorry but we're gonna work on something really (laughs) boring today and this is or like a like a like a tools tip thing like they're just boring and i feel bad because i want every day that we work together to be super exciting and and fun and it's one of the reasons we are constantly upgrading like camera equipment and 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 stuff like that because a new piece of gear whether you're a woodworker or a musician or a photographer or whatever, new gear really inspires you to do creative new things. And so, um, and we upgraded our cameras like way, way too much, but it's, <laughs> it's one of those things that keeps everything yeah. exciting. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, anyway, that's not at all what we were planning
1: on talking about, <laughs> but that's just one of those things that's been, you know, kind of like rattling around. And I'm, um, I don't think it's a thing you can figure out. I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's a, like a, a, a pattern that you could just, we're going to be this productive all the time and we're going to take these many breaks. It's not like that. It's, I think I'm just realizing yeah. that there is some kind of fluctuating balance there between all those things that I need to be internally a little more receptive to. Like Sometimes I just need to take a break and, and not make something for the sake of making something better next time.
0: I do want to say because we're like 40 some minutes 45 minutes into this I have a lot to say about our topic so I'm wondering if maybe we hold our topic yeah. until next week and just continue with with that. this cr- like sure. creating the environment yeah. that you want to work in yeah, yeah. cuz I don't want I don't want to I think all of us have a lot to say on, on the topic, so maybe we'll we'll hold on. Yeah, off I was going to sure.
2: say that. But uh, going back more to Bob, what you were saying, and, and I'm just going to reiterate something I said. Maybe I could add a little bit more flavor to it. But the idea that when, you know, if we have people working with us or or if we have goals set and we, you know, we look at a weekend and we're like, oh, we wasted that whole weekend. I think most of us in general have to kind of take more of a, a, a faraway look at what we do. And see how much productivity you've had, like I said, either month to month or every three months, or maybe even just once every week, as opposed to, you know, I, I speak to some of my friends and they're like, oh, I wasted the entire day. I'm like, but did you really waste a day? You spent a lot of time gathering materials, you spent a lot of time preparing, you know, CNC files, or you spent a lot of time learning this new program. So the idea of being frustrated, you know, minute to minute versus you know, look at, step back and look at, you know, how many how much you've gotten accomplished in a month or in a a week or so. So I think, you know, you need to be less hard on yourselves in general and just step back. And I know I've gotten good at doing that because I look at my progress month to month and, you know, then you could even go back further and look at it year over year and say, okay, you know, every single time I I get my hands on a CNC machine or I start playing around with the shopbot or the tour And I just think of when we first started this podcast five years ago, I didn't have access to any of that. And I didn't even have, I I was completely insecure about the learning for all of that. And so if you look at the last five Mm -hmm. years, there's a tremendous amount of accomplishments, you know, so just basically saying, let's not be too hard on ourselves when day to day or week to week, it doesn't seem like we've gotten a lot done. You got to just take a more further away approach, look assessment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times like it's easy to, to look at the, um, Look for the the viral thing. Look for the thing that's going to be... That's going to get a lot of attention in the moment. Um, And I've always tried to be... Maybe it's a defense mechanism. (laughs) I don't know. But I've always tried to to look a little more at... um, I want to create a a library of useful things. So all of the videos, even if each one of them is not... It doesn't pop. It doesn't become a big thing. In 10 years, if somebody comes back and stumbles across the channel... Excuse me. Then they find a library of stuff that maybe they're not like diamonds, but they're useful, Absolutely. right? There's things that could mm-hmm. be worthwhile going through. And so from that perspective, it's it's a little bit easier to, um, to not worry about how each one performs as much as how useful the entire grouping of them is. And the reason I say that's maybe a defense mechanism is because that gives me a reason to be like, I've never had a viral video, and that's okay with me because... The goal was not viral videos, <laughs> you know. That is true. Of course, it would be nice to have something that just exploded and got a billion views and
2: stuff. You had, didn't? You isn't you that, a samurai sword like into the millions, several millions? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, I've had a few that have that done few? really well over time. I don't. I don't mean that I haven't had any big ones, but
2: just mean you're in <clears throat> without reality.
1: that being a goal, yeah, yeah, like without that being a goal, uh, it's easy to say that that's not a big deal because. Right. You know, I don't. If I never get a, a big video, then cool. I'm, st- I'm still meeting my goal. I guess is the point. Is the goal is long term.
2: Yeah, it's funny. Uh, you know, uh, Derek. Derek and I uh, we talk every day. But uh, Derek said something a couple weeks ago, talking about how he's a tiny channel. He has maybe three thousand Instagram followers, and he he was talking to a potential advertiser, and it was just, he was just actually he wasn't really trying to strike a deal. He was asking them advice about something, and they go, "Well, you're a small channel," blah, blah, blah. and then he started thinking. I was like. I'm, I have 3,000 people that follow me and you know, obviously not everybody watches everything every day, but he's like, if I invited 3,000 people to my house <laughs> to like <laughs> hang out with me, they, the neighbors would call the police on you. They'd be like, he's got so many friends over. So when you think of it like that, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Even just a small channel with 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 people. It's a lot. So, like a lot of people, when you get to where we (laughs) are and you get disappointed that you you know your video only got a hundred thousand views, you're like, "Eh, "It's only a hundred thousand (laughs) views." You gotta like, that's really amazing. It's really, really,
0: really amazing. It really, it really is. You also has to think of it in a way of the the smaller amount of followers you have, the more that they are into what you are doing as as a whole. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? because as you get bigger you get people are just casually watching
2: i had that conversation with with brett mcafee when he was hanging around he was a little frustrated that his channel wasn't growing fast i was like well you choose to do very specific types of videos with very specific themes i said you might only have a small audience i said but that audience would probably kill for you because you guys are all very aligned Mm -hmm. and you have a much different concept like i have fans that watch me that hate me you know they like they hate watch me that's what someone said (laughs)
1: Yeah. Those are those are the people that always leave the thumbs down as soon as you put a video up. You, <laughs> they can, you know they're watch. there because that yeah. happens.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yep.
1: That's the truth though. I mean, I think, you know, the, there is a misconception to man, we're all over the place today. There's a misconception to a uh, a large audience number that those people like you or that those people want you to succeed or like all of what you do. But I think like the three of us have done enough different types of things that people come in and start watching for different reasons, which means they're not there for all of it necessarily. They're there for part of it. Um, Whereas like if you were a, I don't know, I'm just pick a random thing. You're a kayaking channel and you just review kayaks. The people that watch you care about kayaks and that's why they watch you. And so you have probably a much higher Uh, concentration of people that are there for a a specific reason than some other more general channels would have. And so even if that number is not a huge number, man, those people are definitely there for what you're doing. And that's pretty awesome. I don't know how that tied into what we were talking about before, but it didn't Mm -hmm. matter. Um, You guys got anything else on this? I I didn't mean to derail the the conversation. No, it was good.
2: We had a pretty meaningful conversation. It was good. And we had a good topic for next week.
1: Okay. Yeah,
2: true.
1: And we don't have to figure it out at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the show next time, because we already figured it out this time. Yeah. Um, Well, okay. Let me go ahead and thank our Patreon supporters. We got some really cool um, messages from a couple of Patreon supporters uh, since last week's show. Thank you for that.
2: A lot of people supported our Um, point of view. Thank you.
1: Uh, so, big thanks to everybody over there that that helps out the show, especially our top group of supporters: Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting Maker and Training, Blondie Hacks. You can make this too. Odin Leather Goods, Albers Woodworks, and Rich Lowen. Uh, we're really grateful for.
2: I'm showing you guys that the roofers are on picture. my backyard. You're just you're distracting Sorry. me. That's my that's my back porch camera. Oh, I'm yeah. showing the guys the roofers on the back porch doing their job. <laughs>
1: putting a roof on the backyard anyway big thanks to everybody I see people
0: walking through going fishing <laughs>
1: <laughs> sorry about uh, big thanks to everybody on patreon if you want to help us out over there we would appreciate it uh go to patreon.com making it or if you don't want to do that helping uh helping us out there's a to help us out there's a bunch of different ways you can do that you can leave reviews you can share the show with people that you think might like it that would be awesome uh you know Send it around on Twitter, whatever whatever works for you. But we're grateful to have everybody listening who's listening. So, thank you. Appreciate it. I'm going to be real honest and say that I do not have a pick this week because I have been extremely distracted this week and I have not been watching anything new or listening or reading anything new relevant to what we do here. So, I got nothing.
0: <laughs> I, I also have nothing... But I will say we started watching the Netflix show Space Force with Steve Carell. Oh yeah, and um, episode one, the lots of laugh out mo- out loud moments. Episode two, that's all the further we've gotten. Not as good, um, but we're going to continue watching. Uh, um, this is a terrible pick because I don't. I'm not actually saying go watch it because i haven't there's no connect i don't have a connection mm. with the main characters yet like i'm not rooting for them be- yet and uh it's a problem i have with a lot of shows these days if you're not rooting for them you don't feel connected and you don't want to continue watching so i have high hopes for it so i'm, I'm hoping that i fall in love with it but that's what we're watching this week gotcha well i'll put space force maybe as your
1: <laughs> <laughs> there you go thank you as your recommendation <laughs>
2: What's uh, well, kind of uh, This is behind the scenes I watch a lot of police interaction videos and if you know me personally, you know I spend a lot of time watching those and uh, it's just it's it's like the ultimate reality show and in human interaction and you know, there's so much that we could all learn from each other and just de-escalating every single interaction that ever happens between human beings and take it in a positive direction. Uh, so I'm going to recommend San Joaquin Transparency is a channel I watch. He recommends a lot of other channels as well so if you watch him, he will direct you to other channels. And you know, it's it's the way we have our community, the the police monitoring community. What do you call it? Police what do they call them? I can't remember exactly what they're called. They're uh social activists in the way that they just mm-hmm. uh observe the police and make sure that they're doing their job in a in a de-escalating, you know, by the law kind of way. And um, check it out. It's uh it's interesting. I came up with a concept recently and this uh you know what? I'm going to hold my thought on that because <laughs> it's a little controversial. I'll talk about mm. it when I develop more confidence uh, on it. I was going to say it has okay. something to do with police transparency. But uh, I'll talk about it in the after show. There you go. It's not controversial. It's just an idea. It's an invention concept. That is like we are teetering right on the edge of it in the media. I'll tell you it after.
0: Hmm. I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm going to have to listen to the after show. Yeah.
2: I didn't need to do that, by the way. I just don't want to be flooded with controversial comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, check them out. Fair enough. Say I sent you. So All right, tell cool. them I sent you.
1: Well, um <gasps> yeah, Uh I guess that's it for this week. Josh <gasps> just walked in. There's movement. Yeah, there's somebody in. Bob is not green screened. In the office. I'm not green <laughs> did, screened. Did Josh, yep, Josh get Josh is here. He's What's up, Josh? They said what's up, even though Hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway let's go on to the after show thank thanks you, for everybody. listening everybody love you and uh thank you see you next time appreciate it